for all the different messages over the years that the Lord has allowed us to share on Memorial Day. And uh, I was thinking about last year when we talked about the, the Book of Remembrance and things that were written aforehand by God that we're living out right now. And uh, the, the idea of how we're partnering with the Heavenly Father is a very, is a very important uh, ministry because it's what Jesus came to do. And uh, I, I noticed since last Wednesday evening when we shared about um, gaining strength and encouragement from God uh, in points where we perhaps have been stretched or weakened in some ways, I noticed that since that time as I've been praying, um, God has been illuminating a number of passages that speak about the present day ministry of Jesus and the things that he promised to give to us in specific settings and in, in specific points of service to God. And I was thinking as well as I was looking at these, how many of them throughout my life and throughout all the sermons that I've heard and ways that I was taught in, in ministerial training, how many of those passages, although, although they were cherished, they were just kind of glossed over as if the Lord had already done this or, you know, if, as if it's just something that preaches good People say amen to it, but they don't really understand what it is. And I, I know that in this season, in the season that is coming, the most important thing that's happening is God is causing us to walk. The, the Heavenly Father is causing us to walk with, as sons in a, in a way beyond what we've walked. And he's, on the, on the basis of what we have been faithful to do in the past, um, he is now unlocking various capacities in his word that speak of how Jesus provides in this moment, what he does on behalf of the saints in this moment, how we walk with him and, you know, phrases and hidden promises, well, I say hidden, promises that have not had the light shown upon them that talk about what Jesus will do and what we need him to do in this moment. And so over the scope of the next few months, at least, we're going to be walking that pathway as the Spirit shines his light on these different um, releases concerning our Lord. And I was, I was praying about this this morning during our during our prayer time here in the sanctuary, and I felt the Lord say very, very distinctly that these things are things that we need now, but they are things that are preparing us for the ministry of Jesus in the book of Revelation. When God speaks so many times about um, how that we are, we are moving with him where we are riding with him, and what Enoch said, where the Lord is coming with tens of thousands of his saints. 
those kinds of things we're being prepared for now by the, the, the Holy Spirit unlocking verses and showing us how to move with the Lord, how to receive from Him, how to, how to partner with Him in a better way. And um, this, is, this is a very exciting promise. And, you know, uh, it's the same thing He's been saying where we are sons. When, for instance, on Wednesday night, uh, we talked from Matthew 11 about when Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that are uh, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you. That, that passage, and we talked about how that <clears throat> this wasn't Jesus saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do all your work for you and I'm going to take away the authority and the responsibilities that I've given you. That makes no sense at all. But it shows, that passage shows just a, a very strong promise of how the Lord himself will give us the perspective of God through meekness and through um, being poor in spirit. And that perspective, I will give you rest, is, is a word that means I will show you the, I will give you a confidence for the completion. I will give you a confidence and a perception that this has meaning and that the end result is going to be a victory. That's what, that's what that means. It's not a premature finish, but it is a perspective. And it's what, it's what the Lord did when he came to Calvary, where for the joy set before him, he endured. That, that fulfilling of the will of the Father, that fulfilling of what God had given him to do. And um, even in, again, I'm not re-preaching this, but if you didn't hear that message from Wednesday night, um, you, need to, you need to listen to it because it's for you. Um, but, you know, he talked about how that when the Father devised his plan of how he was going to fulfill his mysteries, he didn't look for people who were the wise and the prudent of this world. In other words, he didn't look for people who had it all together uh, immediately. Um, he looked for babes. He looked for people that would rely on him and trust him. And it, it, it occurred to me that at every juncture of our growth and development, no matter who we are, no matter how great we are, no matter how wise or prudent we become through mnemonicos understandings, whenever we're going to enter into a new thing in the Spirit, we have to be like a baby. We have to trust God. We have to learn from his example. We have to say what he's saying. We have to walk as he walks. And that is a, that's weakness. That's, that's, a, that's, an ad, that's an admitting that you cannot do it, that you must have him. And he has us, he has us right there, right now. now this new season of grace um, is a phenomenal thing. And um, so we're looking today uh, in this message, this Communion Sunday message, at Hebrews chapter 10. And I, we've got a rather long passage of Scripture here. I don't intend to read all of this, but I would say to you 
that this end part of Hebrews 10 going into the first part of Hebrews chapter 11 is really where we are right now. And um, I'm very grateful for, for this because it talks, about, it talks about our Lord Jesus. And um, look, look at that from verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart. True heart there, that's a derivative of truth. Did you know your heart, that doesn't just mean faithful, that doesn't mean pure necessarily. It means that your heart, your spirit, the place that God has put in you is for the purposes of partnering with him in discovering, continuing to discover new things, things that have been hidden. I love that. In full assurance of what God says at his right hand, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Remember that there is, is hope. It's not faith. It's elpis. Without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke, to provoke and unto love and to good works. Um, we'll stop reading right there. But um, it goes on. <laughs> I said we'd stop reading. But it says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself of, of yourselves together. It talks about people that um, would, would do despite unto the spirit of grace. And it says that they would uh, count the calling of being a saint an unholy thing. And that, is, that unholy there is a, a derivative. Well, that unholy there is, is common. And to do despite is to act with hubris. If you, as if you have discovered something and in a prideful way, you're discarding what God's grace is doing. That is a, that is a powerful verse right there. And it talks about um, how that um, when we first started, we were made a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions. And that's the way we became companions with one another who were also used in that way. And um, then this powerful anointed scripture continues by saying, we don't want to cast away our confidence, which is going to be rewarded. We have need of patience, that after we've done the will of God, we would receive the promise. Um, yet a little while, he that shall come will come and won't tarry. Those who walk in vision will live by faith. If any man draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him, but we are not of, as those who draw back under perdition, but of, to the, of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And then it says this. There's no chapter break in the original epistle. Now, faith is the substance of what God put in our heart, that seed of faith, which is hope. And that God... God has, has, has formed the substance of what he wants to do through that commune in him. And it's the evidence of things that we don't see right now, but yet we're moving toward. 
this is such a powerful thing. And um, I, I, I felt the Lord lead us to this for a specific reason. And that is that we need to have an understanding. We need to be reminded that we're partnering with the Spirit of grace. We need to be reminded that we're doing this with our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded that we don't have any better idea than what He has ordained. We need to be reminded that we are walking with Him and it is a fearful thing to walk in this pathway. And um, we are going to move forward in patience because that's the first measure and that's the necessary measure of an, any apostolic message. But we're not, we're not going to cast away our confidence. But we're going, to keep, we're going to keep moving forward on behalf of what God uh, has put before us. The key element for the ministry here as we enter into this communion time is that we have our hearts sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, our hearts sprinkled so that an evil conscience will not countermand the will of God through our spirit, so that an evil conscience will not corrupt or limit or damn what God is wanting to do. Um, we need this. We need this sprinkling of the blood upon our spirit, our heart, so that what God has ordained for us to be and to do in partnering with him will, will be alive and that we will not allow any jaded thoughts, any kind of uh, despair, that or doubt, uh, we will not allow that to hinder the element, the spark of the Spirit within us. And this is a gift from God. It's what we must have, the sprinkling of the blood upon our hearts. And um, he was writing to Christian people who are already born again by the blood of Jesus washing their spirit. And now... He's telling them, you need to have your heart sprinkled again so that whatever God is wanting to do in you will not become hindered by a wrongful thinking, a wrongful emotion, despair, uh, any kind of, of overwhelming angst that would, would rob you. And he, he goes down through the rest of this, but it's based on us having that touch of the blood of Jesus upon our hearts. You remember what Jesus said when he was talking about saying to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea? He says, and if you do not doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. This is there. You know, we can allow negativity. We can allow others not... Uh, assembling themselves together. We can allow the hubris of others who say, I've got a better way. We could allow those that, um, that, that look badly on what God has ordained as a saintly calling. We can allow that, and it's all listed right here. I mean, it, this is just a, an amazing 
writing, which tells me that the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. You know, this is really a, a synopsis of how to overcome at a crucial juncture of faith leading up to this hall of fame of Hebrews chapter 11. All these people that did things that no one had ever done before. Why? Through faith, through God speaking to them. And every one of them had the opportunity to say, well, you know, this isn't going right, and this isn't moving as fast as I wish it would, and I really don't understand what's going on over here, and why are they doing that, and why aren't they doing this? And, you know, you can let all of those things corrupt your mind and your conscience, and then you begin to doubt. You become... you then begin to be angry. You begin to be uh, judgmental. You begin to be critical. You begin to be um, uh, small-spirited in the way you think. And, and then you wonder, okay, where is, where is what I felt at the beginning? I don't feel that anymore. Well, you shouldn't feel that anymore. Did, did God, does God, is God limited to what he did in you before? I wonder if the people of Israel said, well, you know, boy, I wish we could go back to Jericho. That sure was cool marching around there. We didn't even have to fight. We just walked around quiet. And for some of them, that was a big sacrifice. And then we just blew our horns, and man, oh, man, those walls fell down. Boy, I wish that would happen again. God's not limited to the good things he did back then. He's got more good things. And so we, we've got to continue to look to him and not allow the things that, that corrupt. And one of the things that corrupt is perhaps our own expectations. You know, when we first began to walk in the Lord, we didn't, it's been said many times, we didn't know any better. We, and, and it's been said many times, we didn't know anything. So we envisioned how God was going to do this. We envisioned. Some of those visions are true. But some of those was an overactive mind. And then God started doing things his way. I have to admit, the way I thought God was going to move is not the way he's moved. He's moved. He's moved in a better way, in a bigger way. But it's not what I thought was going to happen. Anybody remember badges? We didn't need no stinking badges. <laughs> Just a joke. I, mean, I don't know what he means by that. Anyway. Ask Katie, she'll tell you. Um, but God's moved in a way that's beyond what we've known. And um, we're, we're back in that same moment. We have some promises, but in any measure of grace, sin is going to abound around it. Which are you going to look to? In, in any measure of, of fruitfulness, there are going to be thorns that would promise to pierce the fruit. Which are you going to look at? You cannot have, I don't think that in the years that have gone by, uh, spiritually, they've come up with spiritual fruit, some new hybrid that doesn't have thorns. I, I don't think that's happened. Um, and, um, but but we've, got to, we've got to allow the Spirit of God, as we apply the sprinkling of the blood to our heart, to overwhelm whatever limitations the product of an evil conscience could do, and, and however that would try to cap 
our belief or our partnering with God or what we do in regard to that. This is a supernatural task. It cannot be preached into effect. It, it doesn't say if you lay hands on somebody's head and the anointment's really strong, then you won't think these things. It doesn't say that, does it? Or if you just heard the right sermon, if you just had that three-part message from the revival in Tupelo. No, doesn't say that. It says sprinkling, the sprinkling of the blood upon our hearts that will then counteract and really take authority over the possibility of an evil conscience, which to me would be synonymous with the doubt in the heart that keeps us from seeing mountains moved. So this is one of the things that God is offering to us. And this was very, very much a rhema word that was coming to me last night and this morning. In fact, it was so strange because I'm used to the pattern of how I study for the Sunday morning service. I'm, I'm used to that pattern. And probably 80% of the time, the way the Spirit moves is through this pattern. And it has to do with studying and looking at scriptures and listening to what the Spirit would highlight and then following that. And then usually, by the next morning, building, building on that, the Spirit just says this. This is what you do today. And, um, but what happened last night was really odd because I was praying and, uh, all of a sudden the Lord put it in my heart to turn to the book of Hebrews. And I did. And I started looking through the scripture and there's so many great, great things in that, this book. And, but when I came to this verse about the sprinkling on our hearts, um, in verse 22, spirits just said, that's it. Last night he said it. It was so profound that I even wanted to study some more, and he just kept saying, that's it. So I just turned off my computer, and I went downstairs, and um, I thought, that's really odd. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just telling you the way this happened. I didn't go on into Proskuneo. I didn't fast from 9 o'clock till midnight. Well, I did that anyway. Then this morning, I got up fully expecting the Spirit to say something further, and I pulled the verses up and started to look. I had my anointed coffee there in my cup, and, and um, I looked at this passage. <laughs> I, I just kept hearing what, the Lord said the night last night. That's it. And so I started reading then the rest of this, and it dawned on me how similar this segment of Scripture is to what we as saints are walking in right now. And then to come rolling into, with this as a context, rolling into verses 1 and 2 of, of chapter 11, I just thought, man, God, you've got us in a marvelous place and you have recognized and you have ordained that what we need right now is the sprinkling of the blood on our hearts because then that's going to 
cause something to arise in your spirit, the awakening of the partnership of his glory, just like the sprinkling of the blood does in every other application, you're going to cause something to come to light that you have ordained for this moment, and the natural mind that has been log-jammed with all kinds of other expressions, many of which remnants of them are in the verses that follow. That they're gonna, all those thoughts are going to bow their knee, and you're not going to be looking to those things. You're going to be considering this great thing that's happening in your spirit. And, you know, that's what happened to us at the beginning. God touched us by our spirit, in our spirit. His spirit was moving in us, and we, we just started as a baby would. We just started to jettison old ways of thinking. We just started to jettison things that we'd relied on. We just started down that pathway. We just started getting rid of them. The natural mind bowed its knee to the anointing of the Spirit as God awakened our heart. And that's not just a one-off. That is a process. Whenever God wants to do a new thing, he brings it to a certain moment, and before the eruption of whatever it is that he's going to debut, we've got to have that place in our spirit touched. And, 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 you know, honestly, it wasn't going to Brownsville. They weren't teaching on any of this stuff. And I blessed them. God used them. But it wasn't anything other than us preparing ourselves and fasting and waiting on God for those months prior. But when God touched our spirit, then he started doing these new things. And we had to, we had to just go right along with the spirit and it, it was an amazing thing to see this in the Scripture and to see that in the Scripture. We're at that moment again, but now our spirit needs the sprinkling of the blood to initiate that divinely ordained process again for this moment. We become childlike. We're already there. You know, I don't know how many times over the past few months, in the midst of his anointing, I've come before God and said, Lord, I know what you've said. We're being faithful. We're working. But what you're going to do, I recognize that we don't have it in us. We, we, we can't in our own self do this. Now, I would like to say that from a holy standpoint, which we'd all agree to. But for me, it was like a mea culpa and almost a mea complaina. You know, it was, it was kind of there. And... Um, but really what I was describing was being like a baby. Um, we're entering into a new thing. We can't do this. We're Even with our wisdom and our prudence, we can't do this. We need you. And that's exactly where he wants us. It's what Paul said when he said, you know, I've therefore decided to glory in my Astheneus, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You recognize that what God has brought you to, you cannot do on your own. You have to come meekly, just like it says in Matthew 11, and you have to come with being poor in spirit. And when you do that, you will inherit the earth, and you will see God, and you will walk in his righteousness. So we need to have that dimension of the spirit touched by the blood of Jesus. And as we do that, we'll start hearing and thinking and believing in a way that's commensurate with what God has ordained for this moment. And he's kind of, 
He said what he's going to do. We're in this year of grace. We're seeing a lot of wonderful things happen. We're grateful for that. But the best things are yet to come. The revolutionary things have not yet even, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into, into our hearts. The glorious things that God has reserved for us because we love him. Those things are yet coming. And what we need to do is to take the shackles off. We need to let our mind submit again. And um, our mind necessarily hasn't been doing anything wrong. It's just been reacting to things that are unusual. You know, the mind, our minds have been disciplined to walk in pneumatocost things. So, but man, sometimes it just becomes overwhelming and we can then, the mind knows how to draw from things from deep within us as humans things that maybe we had never faced before and the mind has an opinion as to what we should feel and what we shouldn't feel and you know any new ground and terrain you're going to have that jostling for whether the spirit of the Lord or the mind is going to be in control and how often it is you know the enemy comes in one way before he flees in seven and sometimes the mind will try to gain the upper hand and God will say, okay, I had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. My spirit will not always strive with man's spirit. You need the sprinkling of the blood here. It's going to break through. And so that's where we are. And I, I ask you to do these two things specifically over these next number of days. And let God do his work. Number one, do what we said on Wednesday night, Matthew 11. Jesus said, come unto me. I want you, if you've not already done it, to go specifically to Jesus and present yourself, present your labors, and present the authority that God has laid upon you. Put that before him. And he said he'd give you rest. Let him give you his perspective. Let him deposit the joy of the Father's will into you. Let him do that and see what happens. See what happens. And then secondly, as we ask, as we partake of communion today, we, we enjoy all of the things that are commensurate with this table. And I'm not saying this is the only thing God's going to do. Enjoy the fellowship, enjoy the word, enjoy the sprinkling on other parts of your life and ministry, but specifically lay claim to the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus upon your spirit and declare to your mind and your emotions that it must bow the knee, that it will not lean toward a poneros uh, or an evil or a worldly uh, way of of reacting, but cause the mind, declare that the mind, declare, you declare this over yourself. I declare that my mind will bow its knee to what the Spirit of God has ordained for me to do. The blood of Jesus is there. It is coming alive now, and the mind must come into alignment with it. You declare that. This is partnering with the Lord. Too often we just ask God to heal things and take them away. These are partnering declarations, and we need to know them. We need to draw upon them, because that's what we do when we walk with Jesus. 
He's praying for you about this right now. He ever lives to make intercession for us that we might accomplish the will of our Father. And so this is a divinely ordained rhema on this verse of Scripture. And if any of the things that follow here leading into chapter 11, if, if you say, well, yeah, I can see that in my life, and boy, yeah, I can sure see that factor, rejoice. Because the elders that went before you faced those very things and overcame. Don't look at them as hindrances. Don't look at them as things that, that just are millstones that drag you down. Look at them and, and bless, speak blessing over whatever the contributing factors are to you identifying with this. But rejoice. Amen. Thank you, Ava. I got that amen corner going back there. What a great group. Sure love you all. All the rest of you too. <laughs> all right. I, I preached about the rhema long enough. Now it's time to partake. So as we come to this table of communion, God has a lot of wonderful things in store for us. And um, I just invite you to find a place to commune with him and um, when you get to the part where you say okay i'm going to do what that scripture says and i'm going to lay claim to what god put on pastor's heart for us to receive today it would be great if you as you as you drank that juice that represents his blood you say father i welcome all of the places where you want the blood to be sprinkled upon me and upon the places of ministry and upon the word and upon the patterns in the heavens. I, I welcome that sprinkling everywhere, but particularly today, I lay claim to what your spirit has said, that the blood of Jesus would be upon my heart and that my mind will in no way circumvent what you're doing or hold it back or, or, or try to dissuade me from walking in it. Let the mind submit to the things of your spirit and let your spirit come alive in a way that's beyond anything I've known. Say something like that. See what God will do. Amen? Heavenly Father, I bless this communion time and I thank you for the that's it you gave me last night. And I say that this is it for all of us. I bless this congregation. I bless our family of saints around the world. And I bless all of us as individuals who've been uniquely formed to serve you in this hour. Thank you that the sprinkling of your blood is going to do something majestic in our spirit today. And um, we're just more than ready for it. And we thank you for it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.